the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world. It challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. As a colonel in the Marine Corps Reserves with numerous combat deployments, Richard Mendelo has walked dangerous ground in peacetime and in war. Join us for the next 30 minutes as he and his guests shed light on this critical intersection on spiritual combat and on the rules of engagement for courageous Christianity. And here's your host, Richard Mendelo. Friends, welcome again. It's a glorious Saturday to talk about courageous Christianity and the opportunity that we have in Jesus to reflect his light on the world around us. As always, I'm joined by my formidable wingman, Christy Stratton. Formidable. Formidable. (laughs) Good morning, everyone. Hi, Richard. Hi, good morning. I'm so excited to be with you guys today to continue in our devotional series based on my book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. But before we begin, I must remind you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserve, I have to preface my comments by saying that these are my personal views and they do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Please let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we glory today in the love of your Son, Jesus, and the chance we have in his beautiful name to live heroic Christian lives. Where much about this world seems confusing and twisted, he is the way, the truth, and the light. Help us, Father, to know him better and to live lives worthy of his calling. Help us to walk boldly in faith by the Holy Spirit that we may create enduring godly change according to your word. We pray for every opportunity to shine your love into the stormy darkness to lead your children home to you. We pray boldly in thanks that your will be done that your words are spoken, and that your voice is heard. And let us not forget those on the front lines of the medical care across the world, dear Lord. May we look on them with compassion. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Friends, today we're continuing the journey. Uh, Last week we discussed devotional days one through seven, Yep. and that was about choice. And today... We're going to talk about change, devotional days 8 through 14. And this 40-day journey that we're on coincides with the period following uh, Jesus' resurrection and the time that he spent with the disciples talking to them about how to bring their faith to bear on the world. And we're excited about it. If you don't yet have a book, you can still purchase one. 
at rightmakesmight, uh, actually, excuse me, email us at courageouschristianity at gmail.com. Right, Christy? Yep, courageouschristianity at gmail.com. And matter of fact, we're making 500 books available. Uh, This is so important that we want everyone to come along on this journey with us at this holy time. And so if you don't have a book, again, courageouschristianity at gmail.com. If you prefer Kindle, you can go to Amazon, and we've reduced the price to 99 cents. Yeah, thanks. Don't forget to like our uh, Right Makes Might Facebook page. We'll be making posts every evening to discuss the day. Yeah, we're we're doing that. We're sharing uh, scripture that are in you know a part of each show to remind you of that. And um, if you have any questions as you're going along, post those in the comments, and Richard and I will be there uh, responding to you. So we're just really excited because it's such an opportunity to do this together. I mean, the holy time. Um, Easter, all of that, but also amid this opportunity we have in uh, the coronavirus, this time that we have at home. and To seek change. To seek change, yeah. So we talked in the first week about making a choice, and we talked about the prodigal son, and I liken it to the idea that if the prodigal son made a choice to return home from the faraway lands of his sin, but never started walking, there was never any action associated with his choice. There would not be any change. Mm. And nothing would have happened. He would not have returned home to the unconditional love of his father. And so in the week, day 8 through 14, we talk about choice. And then we talk about acting on that choice. A new choice with action creates change. Righteous choice, righteous action, righteous change. So day eight reminds us that in every choice, there's an opportunity for God or the world. Day nine is about living with the change our choices generate. Day 10 is about the nature of change itself. Day 11 is about the role we can play through the storms of change. Day 12 reminds us that had the prodigal son made the choice to return home but never acted on it, he would still be in the faraway lands of his sin. Day 13 is about action. And day 14, the Sabbath reviews the change. So one of the questions that we have is that in life we make decisions to do or not to do something. And when we take action on those decisions, our actions show our choices to the world. And this is precisely what spiritual counterinsurgency was. And uh, we've talked about it as setting the example and a lot of different ways uh, to look at faith. But the question that I have, uh, Christy, is Sometimes people make a choice, but never act on that choice to actually generate change. And I know it's hard. Sometimes we just keep doing what we've been doing because we've been doing it. Yeah, it's, it is hard. It's, and as you, as you, as you just said that we make a choice to change, but then we don't act on it. And then I'm like, okay, then just what happened? (laughs) Yeah, you know, if you think about the reasons we stay stuck, and and I don't say this without compassion because we all do it. Yeah. Uh, example, in aviation safety, sometimes there'll be an aircraft accident where the crew did something, they just kept trying the same thing, eventually the plane crashed, and we call it continuation bias. They just are biased to keep doing what they've been doing. 
And a lot of us do that. So if you look at why we make a choice and then don't change, so you decide, I want to know Jesus better, but maybe you never open your Bible. And and why is that? And I think for me, as I think through it, there's fear. Yeah. That fear is what comes to mind off the top. So fear. Uh, So example, as a Jew who came to Jesus, people always want to ask me, what did your parents say? And that says to me, one of the things people are afraid of is what your family thinks. So what they've thought about you becoming a Christian. Right. Yeah. And thank God my parents were totally encouraging. Uh, My mother and my father, who were both alive at the time in 2003 when I made the choice. And my father just said, I'm happy for you. And my mother said uh, something similar. But so I think sometimes people don't make a choice because they just keep doing what their dad or their mother was doing. And what's funny to me about that is as teenagers, you couldn't get us to do what our parents wanted us to do. (laughs) But then 50 years later, we're doing precisely what they wanted us to do. How does that work? I don't I don't know. <laughs> but you know, I, I, I want to go back to the Bible and that same sort of thought process there is, and as I'm picturing myself or putting myself in someone else's shoes, okay, I want to change. I want to know God more, but I don't open my Bible. Going back to exactly what you just said, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm thinking maybe the fear is I'm afraid I'm going to read something that tells me I'm, I'm wrong. Well, the, the good thing there is we're all wrong. Right. So I think If you look at fear, there's fear of disappointing the people around you, not being who they want you to be, not because it's what's best for you, but because it's what's most comfortable for them. Conformity. That's hard. hard. Conformity. Uh, Keep doing what we've been doing so we don't upset the apple cart. Uh, I've never had an apple cart, but I don't think I wanted (laughs) to get upset. Then there's Mm -hmm. the idea that we're going to make a change and in whatever area of our lives, it's going to create conflict. Right. And we're mostly conflict averse, especially in this day and age, yeah. where it's like go along to get along, conform to the conform to the patterns of the world, or you're going to get it. Right. And so, I think we have to make friends with conflict, because yeah. if we're going to break away from the world and seek God, think about the prodigal son. He had to turn from the faraway lands where he was and the friends that he had. And the thing that's interesting is, although it's hard. But that's courageous. It's totally courageous. And uh, we should name this show Courageous Christianity. Whoa. So (laughs) here's one thing that makes it easier, though. You're on today, Richard. (laughs) Here's something that makes it easier. If you profess your choices to the world, this world that wants you to be what you've been or what it wants you to be, then people will either join you in your change or they'll go away from you. Right. And the awesome thing about that is I'm going to be loud about who and what I'm doing for God. And if you don't like it, you'll turn away from me. And that way I have one less negative influence in my life. Right. So actually my life just got easier. Yeah. But when we're lukewarm about our change... Now, I don't want to say anything that offends you. So now I keep having to deal with this low-grade negative influence that you are in my life because you're trying to keep me where I was. the definition of the world today. Right. We all just kind of go along to get along. Nobody's totally happy. The world isn't happy. Here's a bizarre thing. 
this last week, somebody said to me, I was a humanist. Mm. And I thought to myself, either they don't know me or they don't know what the word humanist means. But it's bizarre because their point was, you know, be compassionate and understand the world. And my point is the world doesn't like where it is. Nobody is really happy. Everybody's self-medicated in some way. They're complaining on Facebook. They're struggling, overeating, marriages are failing. We're all having trouble, and yet people keep seeking solutions in the world. Right. They so keep a, doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting a different result. Right. So a humanist is somebody who, after the Greek philosophers, believes that the solution is in man and, and men's uh, machinations. But my contention is, if the world isn't happy then why seek a solution in the world? Why not seek a solution outside right. of the world? Right. And so let's say that wherever we are in life, however you're hearing this, you're in a place where uh, you have my book in your hand, and so you're seeking some sort of change, seeking to know God better, seeking to change your status quo, seeking to impart a greater sense of meaning to your days seeking to set a better example for your family, etc. So you are embarking on this journey with us, and the journey says, okay, we can make these choices to be something different. And then you take action on that, and uh, you have change, and that change is outside the world. It's toward God's unconditional love and... What am I missing? It requ it requires us to make the choice. What I'm what I'm sounds like to me, to come along the on the journey with us. Then it requires that action of m making space in your schedule to read days eight through fourteen, and the after action report that sort of thing. So that's the change, and that's going to require some other things for you to choose not to do other things. But it takes that action to 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 do that. And if we want to be that courageous Christian, then we will go right. on that journey. Well, it's generally not easy. Right. But I, then again, we don't love where we are. Otherwise, we wouldn't be seeking change, in which case the effort that we make will be well rewarded. And we do know that about God, that when we choose the things of heaven over the things of earth, we are well rewarded. Uh, so so one of the things... Absolutely. Thank you, Jesus. So one of the things that makes it easier is that the negative influences in your life will not like this change, and they'll go away, and let them go away. Yeah. Makes and life a lot more simple. It makes life simpler, and the positive influences in your life will lift you up. Yes. And so they will help you to become a new you. So Christy talked about a couple weeks ago on her show, The Divorce Coaching Hour with Christy Stratton, she was talking about a John F. Kennedy quote when he said that the Chinese word for crisis has two characters. The one represents danger and the other represents opportunity. Yeah. So, and I got that quote from you, by the way. <laughs> But thank I, you. Yeah, I was, okay. <laughs> Thanks for plugging my show. You're welcome. <laughs> I appreciate so, it. So think about that. The crisis is actually a dangerous opportunity. So that means uh, it's an opportunity, mm -hmm. but it's fraught with peril. 
But then you have to examine the status quo. If I keep doing what I'm doing, right. that is certainly fraught with peril. In the, the stormy night, I don't have the, the lighthouse of Jesus. I'm going to end up crashed on the rocks. Yeah. And so there's the lighthouse of Jesus. I surround myself with believers. I, I turn to the book. I dig my heels in and I make a courageous change. And then I, I use new words have new conversations with new people about new things and change will happen. And the, and the storm calms. And the storm calms because Jesus did calm the storm. I realize it's scary, but we're struggling and we're struggling individually and we're struggling as a community. And uh, we look at the world around us. There is no political solution. There is no man-made solution. It's all just twisted and contorted and what's what. And the saying that we have in the Marines, we say, who's who in the zoo? You don't know who you can trust, yeah. but everybody's acting like an animal. And so we bring this to God and we say to him, uh, Lord, we trust you to guide us through this. We will turn to you first and foremost in everything. And then we build that habit. And pretty soon uh, before you go out to dinner, you're praying about where, where you should go. And I know that sounds silly, but that is the way it is because combat is hard and we need to turn to him in all things. Yeah, absolutely. Those little daily efforts, it doesn't have to be, you know, this overnight change. Sometimes it is. Paul, it was overnight. It was immediate. But, you know, even thinking about my own testimony and my own walk, it's been 20 years and it's been slow changes of those choices, but taking action of those choices, even so much as praying about where I'm going to dinner, even today. Speaking of which, one of the metaphors I think about a lot in Christianity is as a Christian, we know we have the mission to go and make disciples of all nations. And the way I look at that is I'm not going to browbeat somebody into choosing God, because if God gave you free will, that free will is yours, and only you can make that choice. And it can only come from your heart if it's going to be a real choice. But I think of it as a Christian of inviting people to dinner with God. And so there's this giant banquet table in this big hall that looks like, you know, King Arthur kind of hall, and God's at the head of the table, and we're just inviting people to dine with him. It's like the feast, and the host invited all of his friends and they all were busy and they all had all kind of excuses. So he told the servants, go and get anybody. So we know that in Christ, initially Jesus was uh, for the lost sheep of Israel. And then the lost sheep didn't come to dinner. They didn't come to the feast. So God told the servants, go and get everybody else. So now we're sitting at this big banquet table and what we choose to eat what we pick, how big a bite we, we take, that's all up to us. That's between us and the Holy Spirit. That's intensely personal. And the only thing that I would say is uh, the invitation is amazing. Those of us who are dining with God are awed on a daily basis. So odd. And, yeah. and he piles this table high with opportunity and you're sitting at the table with believers and it's not so scary and it's real and our prayers are answered. And the very second you experience the grandeur of that, then you think about those who don't know and right. they aren't at the table. And 
it just makes makes you want to know them. But as you're making this decision, it's yours. It's hard. You're going to break with some things. You're going to come to some new things. And it's at your pace. And the Holy Spirit will help you and he'll guide you and he'll put people in your path that will just lift you up and point you in the right direction. And circumstances will do the same because it's not easy. If everything is going well, if you're laying on the sofa and the remote control is working fine and the fridge is still full of food, you're not going to get up. You're comfortable. Why would you move? So God has to make you uncomfortable. And once he's made you uncomfortable, well, now you're up and you're moving and he can do something with you. He can put people in your path. And change your life. And change your life. So uh, we're talking about truth, the truth of God. And as always, we have a moment of truth, which is a scripture which comes from the Bible, which informs the discussion. And this is very important to us in uh, putting the show together because we want people to know that the Bible is a living, breathing book given to us by a loving Father. And in it are the answers to all of the questions we may ask. The moment of truth today comes from James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So we're talking about taking action on choices. In the same way that faith without works is dead, choice without action isn't a choice. A choice must evoke change. If you make the choice to be more like Jesus, but don't act on this choice and don't change, then you're really asking Jesus to be more like you. Mm. And when you do this, it brings discredit upon Christ. It doesn't invite people to dine with God. We know that conflict is inherent in change, and I understand being fearful, but warriors are men and women of action. We face our fear, and we take action despite our fear. So in a manner of speaking, as warriors, we must make friends with conflict. With constant reference to Jesus, we can ensure that the possible and probable conflict is necessary and proper. We don't just go out and start fights with people. We can walk peacefully, make choices according to Scripture, and act on those choices and accomplish godly change. In this way, people will know that we're Christians and they too can change their lives according to Christ. And it's reflecting his love that is our mission. As you and I know, the change which Jesus works in our hearts is well worth it. I just watched an awesome movie about that song, Can You Imagine? Oh, can, I'm forgetting it now. <laughs> I can only imagine. I can only imagine. There, Thank you. There we go. Memories. And it's about the change Jesus works in this guy's father. It's a good and movie. It's an awesome movie. Our quote of today, which is about change, is from C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, and he sums up this change best when he says, quite simply, there are far better things ahead than any we can leave behind. Amen. Friends, to wrap up, we've seen a lot of change in the last few decades, and some was good, but most of it was bad. For example, in 1962, we turned our backs on prayer in school. In 1973, we turned our backs on the sanctity of human life when we legalized abortion. These are just two examples among many. In truth, we have undermined much of what made this nation great. This change did not have at its heart the word of God, and we cannot be a part of this. As Christian warriors, we distinguish ourselves by the nature of the change that we create. If the change returns us to the word of God and is acted out according to his son, Jesus Christ, it is good change. Anything else 
and it is just another wrong turn on the road to heaven. So change is dangerous. In the absence of God's guidance, change might just create conflict. For this reason, we must hold on tight to our Bibles and reference them often. For this reason, we must seek to become part of a congregation. It's important because the world, well, the truth of it is, the less we are of the world, the more we are of something else. And we want that something else to be uh, predictable and bring us closer to God. There's a reason why people judge you by the company you keep, and it's because it's the best indicator of who you're going to become. So I recommend a good non-denominational congregation in which you can pray, worship, study, and contribute. Also, just as alcoholics should stay out of bars to avoid drinking again, Christians shouldn't live in the past if we want to be transformed. We can't change if we're anchored by old places, old habits, old attitudes, and old words. For this reason, I believe it's important to do new things, to use new words, and to focus on new activities. Finally, as individuals and as a nation, we must keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. In him we need not fear. He will make all things work together for good. With his help, we can do good things and avoid bad things. With his help, we can become more like him in thought, in deed, and in word. In Jesus, we can all be changed. Thank you for joining Christy and me today. We're honored to walk with you in change. God bless and semper fi.